0: hallelujah well praise the lord glory to god thank you jesus for the holy ghost you know in our meetings as we travel you know basically all over the world but the whole team travels right now in just in the states with me and um, as we're traveling we go to different churches in different places we never go to a place with a set agenda We never know what we're going to do. We don't sit there and we just write an agenda of what we're going to do when we get there to the meetings. We always allow the Holy Ghost, just whatever, because every need is different. And it would would be a misnomer if I would just have a set service. Because everybody's different. Every church we go to, they come in with different needs. Just like you came in tonight with probably with a different need or different situation than you did last night. And so we have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit to to take control of these services and and direct it. You know, he's a great director. And and when we listen to the Holy Spirit, he will direct us. And and things will happen and things will change. And we'll see the miracles and the signs and the wonders that we've heard stories about. And... uh, you know, I remember traveling with um, Dad Hagen, a lot of y'all know him as Kenneth Hagen or Brother Hagen, and I did 10 years with him, and, and I remember we would sit around and talk about the old days and, you know, and the A.A. Allen meetings and tent meetings and the Smith Wigglesworth meetings and the Oral Roberts tent meetings and, you know, the Billy Graham meetings and all these great meetings, and they were all wonderful. And they're great testimonies, but I'm ready for us to have our testimony. I'm ready for us to see those meetings where hundreds of people are coming to know Jesus. And we've been seeing in in the last several crusades, we've seen incredible miracles. I was telling pastor, I said, we were just, we were in a meeting recently in Nebraska where this gentleman came up and had psoriasis all over his whole body, like an alligator. And he came up for prayer and he went home that night and he woke up the next morning completely healed. No psoriasis, his skin was baby smooth. that's a miracle you know and uh, we had a gentleman who uh, the doctor had diagnosed him with heart disease and he went back two days later to get it, get it checked out and, and completely couldn't find nothing wrong with it not only did he have heart disease but he also had liver disease and they went and checked in and they said we don't know what you're doing but keep doing what you're doing because we can't find nothing they hadn't, they hadn't prescribed any medicine to him or anything and God just healed him within just the 48 hours come on now Aren't you glad God is no respected person that God can do it right here in Crestwell? Huh? Aren't you glad he can do it right here in this county, right here at Cherry Church of God? Yes. That he is no, you don't have to have a church full of people. All the Bible says with two or more Greek touching anything on this earth. Yes. Why do you think I travel with a team? Because I want to make sure that everywhere I go, I got two or more. Yeah. So regardless who shows up, we're going to have church. You know? And uh, because we're a like-minded, like spirit, like faith, and and so the Lord really began to, to minister to me even this afternoon. He just began to, to put in remembrance of scriptures. You know, I've read the Bible through many times and I've read scriptures. And so when the Lord begins to talk to me, I know where it's coming from. I, I know the area of the Bible that it's coming from because I know the Bible. And, uh, and so I'm just sitting, I was actually sitting in, um, well, it's my chair when I'm there, but you know, it's, it's standing his chair when I'm not there. And I was just there in my room by myself. I was sitting in the den by myself and just meditating. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to minister to me. And he said this. He said, if my people who are called by my name will seek my face. And crave a necessity. He said, not only will I heal their land, I'll heal their bodies. I'll heal their families. Come on now. That's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And so he began to remind me. He said, but you know, in order for that to happen, you had to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. Where he said this, when Solomon had made an end of praying. Solomon had been spending time with the Lord. I found out nothing's going to happen until you spend time with the Lord. You know, in the old days, they called it carpet time. How many remember that phrase, carpet time? Carpet time means you put your face on the carpet, that you lay prostate on the floor and, and you just stay there until you felt like you got a release. You know, and, and as I was meditating on that, you know, when he was talking about Solomon made an end of praying, he, he wasn't a two-second prayer. He had been there for a while. Matter of fact, some, some theologians said he was there for days, three days. They, they actually calculated, they think he was there three days, which would make sense because God's a God of numbers and everything he does, he does and he leads up to the three days of Jesus being resurrected Come on now. Just like the 40 days uh, of, of the flood, the 40 days of Jesus being in the desert, he has these numbers that he uses throughout the scriptures. And so after three days of Solomon spent t- spending time with God, he sacrificed himself and spent time with God, time and being in the presence. He said when he made an end of praying, fire came down. Come on, that anointing of the Holy Ghost came down and it consumed... You understand? They, the people had made an offering. They had come and they brought things and brought offering to the Lord. But yet that offering wasn't doing anything. It wasn't accomplishing anything until somebody decided that we, nothing's going to happen until we put our face before God, until we get before God and we spend time with God. Nothing is going to happen until we get serious with God. You can bring all your offerings, you can bring your praise, and you can bring your worship. But without having a relationship and having fellowship with the Father, all that is not not until you get serious and have a relationship with god because it is in this quiet it's in our quiet times it's in our personal time just coming to church let me just tell you something just coming to church is not enough look we go all over we do these holy ghost meetings these fresh fire crusades all over and but yet that's just after we leave that's just not enough you got to take it and you got to run with it from there my wife will tell you or my daughter will tell you who's on the keyboard. They'll tell you that after three days of me not ministering, of being arrested, I start getting withdrawals. That's why I don't take much time off. I was home a total of seven weeks last year. I don't take much time off because it don't do me any good. Because I crave the presence of God. I don't crave a full auditorium, which I'm, I'm glad when it does have places in are full. But I crave the presence of God. It doesn't affect me that you see empty chairs because you got to understand something. I don't see empty chairs because the Lord told me years ago we're in a, and when we first started this ministry and we're walking around and praying before service and, and um, just, just praying and laying hands on every chair. The Lord says, I just want you to know something. You'll never preach to an empty chair. He said, for whatever chair is empty, I send angels down and I sit them in there because when my word is presented, when my presence comes down, he said, I want them to enjoy it just like I want everybody else to enjoy it. So don't ever think you're preaching to an empty chair. That's why I can preach like a, a house is full because technically the house is full. Oh, come on, somebody. So if you've got an empty chair beside you, you've got an angel sitting there beside you. Come on now. Glory to God. That's why I crave this. That's why, I, I mean, I have to, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to let you know, I'm an addict. I'm a Holy Ghost addict. My name is Phil Private, and I'm a Holy Ghost addict, and I admit it, and I don't want to be redeemed from it. I don't want to be set free from it. I don't want to be delivered from it. Matter of fact, I want to get even more. I want to I up the ante. I want to up the doses. You know, because think about it. You know how medication is. You stay on one dose on medication for a while. Your body will get used to it. And then doctors won't. Come on. They want to up it up. Why? Because your body gets used to it. Well, how much more? Come on now. That's why you doing what you did last year ain't going to satisfy this year. Come on, we got to up the ante. We got to up the doses of the Holy Ghost in our life. We got to up the doses of the Word of God in our life. We got to put more time in the Word. We got to put more time in our praise. We got to put more time in our worship. And we got to put more time in our intercessory prayer life so that we got to up the ante. If you want more from God, then you got to give Him more. Glory to God. And so today, when I was there meditating, He began to remind me, He says, You remember, He said, This is what happens. When you, when you crave out of necessity, when you seek my face and crave out of necessity. He says, This is what happens. And he went to Genesis, started going through the whole Bible with me, just boom, 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 boom. And it was super lightning fast. He says, You remember when Abraham, after, he, after I cut covenant with him, and he, he went through and got circumcised, and he, God did the figure eight around him with the turtle doves and all that. And he says, You remember what happened after that? He says, I showed up. He said, I brought two angels with me. He said, and I showed up and, and and I wanted to tell him about Sodom and Gomorrah. I wanted to let him know that he's got some loved ones in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, I want to come to tell Abraham, but because Abraham had a relationship. Oh, come on, somebody. Huh? I said, because Abraham had a relationship with the Lord. Come on. He was able to say, Lord, if you, can you, how about 50 people? If I can find 50 righteous, will you save the city? And because of the relationship, because Abraham knew God. Come on, can you say that you know God? Because the moment you say, I know my Redeemer lives. I know that he's Jehovah Jireh. I know that he's my provider. I know that he's El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. I know, come on. I know he loves me. I know that he doesn't want me to hurt. I know he doesn't want me going through pain. I know he doesn't. This is not his design of purpose in my life. I know this is a trick from the enemy. I know this is deception. But I also know that God always makes a way of escape for me. Huh? It may not look like it in the natural right now. It may not look like things are going the way you think it's supposed to go. But if you'll just keep seeking Come on, keep seeking God and keep putting your face to Him. Things will turn around. It is a promise from God. And the book of Numbers said, God cannot lie. Amen. So in Genesis 18, chapter 18, we see Abraham here, and, and, the, and the Lord comes to him. And he says, You know, and, and so Abraham says, if you'll, can, How about 50 people? And the Lord said, I'll do it for 50. And then they turn around and they start walking away. And, and Abraham would not let him walk away. Oh. I said, listen to me very carefully. Abraham would not let him walk away. Matter of fact, he went and chased him down and got in his face. He said, how about 40? And the Lord said, yes. And he worked his way all the way down to 10. And the Lord said, I'll even do it for 10 because of you. Do you understand that you can actually change? Come on. Abraham was about to change history. He had the opportunity to change history. What was set in motion, but because of his heart towards God, God was willing to change history for Abraham. I said, God, come on, let me tell you something. God is willing to change direction. He's willing to change your story. He's willing to rewrite your story because of FaceTime. Matter of fact, he's already, matter of fact, he's already tore out the book and he's got blank sheets of paper and he's rewriting your story. And the first chapter of that story is Cresswell, North Carolina, when you made a decision to leave Kentucky and come down here on this week of January the 15th when we started this meeting yesterday. God said, That's the beginning of your new story. Shalabosaha. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. This ain't, this ain't the end. This is not as good as it's going to get. Like I told you before, you got you to broaden your vision. It ain't about 50, 60, 70 people. No, it's about hundreds and thousands. God's giving you marching orders. Don't procrastinate on the marching orders. Don't try to figure out how it's going to happen. How are you going to be able to do this and how are you going to do that? God says, I just need you to move. I just need you to begin. Take the path. He said, and I'll find that. I'll have that place for you. I'll find that building and I'll I'll put everything in order. I just need you to get out of the chair and do something. Because when we begin to seek the Holy Ghost, things become very clear. Clear and when you know who you are in Christ and you know your redeemer because when you begin to have face time and have that relationship you can actually change your history you can change the story that the enemy's trying to write cuz you understand the whole point was not just destroying Sodom and Gomorrah the whole point was to destroy Lot And his wife, technically. And the Lord just said, it wasn't just Lot, it was his wife. only reason why his, life, his wife turned the pillows off, because she didn't obey God. She said, I got her, I got them out. My mercy and grace got them out. Abraham's FaceTime got them out, you understand. Abraham's relationship with the Lord got them out. Rewrote the history. The story in the newspaper should have been, Lot and his wife were destroyed, and his whole family was destroyed. That was what the story was supposed to be. But because of Abraham and his due diligence to seek God's face, he rewrote the story. And the the story says uh, Lot was was preserved because he got out. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. 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 And then you go in the book of Exodus and... And in, in chapter 17 and 18, where Moses is, is going to the mountain and, and and he's pleading before God because God is angry with the people. He's angry, you know, because God chose Moses to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And and now he's setting them up and and now they're sinning against God. And and God is angry. and He's just ready just to throw it all in and and rewrite and redo. And Moses said he because of Moses, he said, God, don't do that. Take me. He said, I'll give up my life for this people. Because Abraham knew God. He had FaceTime with God. You go back to the burning bush where he had FaceTime with God. Where God said in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses stopped, God said, I see you looking. And in order to see you looking, you've got to have some FaceTime. And because of Moses' FaceTime in the presence of God that he chose to stop everything he was doing and lay down and God said, don't come in here with your mess. Don't come in here with your stuff. You put your shoes off. Now you can come into my presence and now we can have FaceTime. God is not interested in you bringing sickness to him. He's not interested in you bringing disease or hurt and pain. Right? Because he didn't give it to you to begin with. Get mighty quiet in this full gospel church. Because our whole lives we've been taught. Oh, bring your sickness to God. Bring your disease to God and he'll heal you. No, no, no. You got to release it, but you don't give it to God. You give it back to hell where it came from. God didn't bring cancer on us. He didn't bring COVID on us. He didn't bring disease on us. He didn't bring a headache on us. He didn't bring cancer on us. No, God don't do that. God, he's a daddy. What daddy would want their child to hurt and pain and be sick? Why do you think Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago? He did that to redeem us from all that. And I'll never forget, just as clear as I'm talking to you, the Lord said, you tell my people, don't bring it to me. Because I didn't give it to them to begin with. (coughs) He said, tell them this, so they have revelation and all this. He said, you tell them to send it back to hell where it came from. Because the moment you let it go, then you can be healed from it. I said, the moment you let it go and send it back to hell, then God can do something with that. And Moses stood before God and said, God, don't destroy them. Take me instead. And because of the relationship and because of the face time, he rewrote history. Come on, how many need some history rewritten? Uh, come on, come on, you need some, hi- look, I don't know about you, but I need some history rewritten. Come on now, because of what the enemy's trying to do, we need some, look, we, we need to change the story for a change. Instead of the enemy trying to write our history, we need to change and let the Holy Ghost write our history. Glory to God. You understand, I've never preached this before. This is straight from the very throne room of God. I've never preached this before, like this. God, give me, give me this revelation. He said, because you're waiting on me to do something. God says, I'm waiting on you to do something. The first thing I need you to do is come here. Come to my face. Let's have some face time. And then you got Elijah. The Lord sends Elijah. He goes to the mountain. He tells Ahab, come on, get ready for three and a half years. Think about this out of one man's mouth the rain stopped and out of one man's mouth rain came. You don't think he can rewrite, you can rewrite history? Huh? Elijah told King Ahab, he said and for three and a half years, you don't think God's real? He said for three and a half years it will not rain. And for three and a half years it didn't rain. And when Ahab turned his back on Baal, and turned his eyes on God then Elijah said come to me we're going to the mountain because we're about to change history the drought is almost over i said the drought oh come on somebody Man, if I could get two or three people just, come on, they're getting excited with me. I said, your drought, uh, your drought season, I said, your drought season, it's been almost, listen, it's been almost three years. Come on, since COVID. I said, the drought season is almost over. Huh? I said, your drought season, you got to choose right now that your drought season is almost over. But there's about to be a rain coming. And the scripture says, Elijah went and he got prostate. In other words, he put his face between his knees. What he did was he put himself in a birthing position. Because my daughter, my middle daughter, who we just found out is pregnant again. She ain't supposed to have any kids. This is getting, to be, getting ready to be two. She lost the first one. The daughter said, you know, you're not going to be able to have kids. And it wasn't necessarily her. It was her husband. Her husband has 1% chance. 1%. His number is 1% of ever getting his wife pregnant. 1%. Out of 100, 1%. 1%. 1%. 1%. Not 20%. Not 30%. Not 5%. One percent. So technically, it's absolutely impossible in the natural for my daughter to get pregnant. But we were talking, and we were all together at Christmas time, and and uh, she couldn't make up her mind whether she wanted to be pregnant. Or she wanted one, but she just some other situations, other things. She just didn't want to go through because the the the, the first one she had. Of course, she lost, and she, it was a horrible situation that, I mean, she carried the baby, what was it, four months, five months? Four months. She carried the baby four months, and then she had to carry it. She found out it was dead inside of her, and then she still had to carry it for a little longer. And then her whole body went through, because technically, she had to give birth to that dead baby. Tell me, that won't mess your mind up. And then her body goes through all that. And then all of a sudden, you know, ladies, you know, and then she begins to produce milk. And I mean, she went through everything that a, a woman giving birth and having a live child, a baby. She went through all that without any results of holding anything in her arms. And she wanted a baby more than anything. But the Lord gave me a vision after she lost that baby. I'm in prayer one night, and I'm just, I'm just there laying before the Lord, and I'm praying. And, and I hadn't even told anybody this. Because, see, <laughs> it took six years for that vision to come to pass. Because, see, in that vision, I saw me and my grandson... At amusement park. And we were standing there watching these cars go by. And then all of a sudden, I saw me and him driving those cars in the amusement park. And it didn't even dawn on me until we were at Christmas time. And we're at Dollywood. And I had my whole family there. And we were at Dollywood that evening. and, And we're just walking around the park. And all of a sudden, we came to this place where they had these cars. And I had Bryson in my arms, exactly how the vision was. And I'm standing there, and I'm looking at the cars. And, and he, and, and Poppy, I want to ride. I want to ride. And you know, I'm not going. And, and, and it didn't even dawn on me at that moment. I said, "Sure, we'll go ride." It didn't dawn on me until we're in the car, and he's behind the driver wheel, and I'm on the passenger side. And we're straddling and we take off. And all of a sudden that vision comes back to me. I am bawling while we're going around that track. And nobody knows. Because six years ago the Lord gave me a vision and I wouldn't give up on that vision. And now I got my grandson who wasn't even supposed to be here, number one. When the daughter's pretty much, say, it's impossible for my daughter to get pregnant. We didn't accept that. See, that's the enemy's story. That's the enemy's history. But thank God I have the authority and the power and the, the greater one living inside of me that I can rewrite history. You can't tell me God ain't real. You can't tell me he don't, he don't answer your prayers. You can't tell me that he don't love you unconditionally. And I'm riding around and I'm riding around and, and I've got my miracle sitting beside me. Look at me and greeting. i got a picture on my phone, me and him. And he's got this big old grin. That's my vision. That's my promise. It may not mean a whole lot to you, but it means a whole lot to me. Because I've always, I've got a beautiful granddaughter. But you know a, 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 a granddaddy also wants a grandson. My granddaughter's special to me, and there ain't none of them like her, those that know. And she loves Poppy. And when she was born, she was, my, she was the first and, and I mean, she's the oldest and she's my first, and she has a special place in my heart. But my vision, my dream, my heart. And so at Christmas time for a Christmas present, my daughter tells me, I hear her hollering. I didn't know what was going on. We were at my dad's house. I'm getting ready to preach and we were in Virginia and I mean, it's, you know, and and all of a sudden I hear this screaming upstairs, hollering and Tiffany goes running up there and the next thing I know, they're hollering, dad, come here. I know, and my mom, you know, she's thinking, oh, Lord, they spilled something all over her carpet. They broke something. She's just, uh, she, she's a mess, you know. She's like, what is it, what is it? I said, Mom, just calm down. I got this. And I woke up there, and she's standing in front of the bathroom, and she's holding this stick. I said, you're kidding me. One percent. One percent. I don't care what the do- doctors say. Doctor says she couldn't have any more. After she lost that first one, it's, it's pretty much impossible for her to have any more kids. I don't care. My mom got diagnosed with breast cancer a few years, a couple years ago. Well. Four years ago, she got diagnosed with breast cancer, had a lump on her breast, and the doctor said that, you know, there's a possibility we have to take the breast and everything. We didn't accept that, you understand. I appreciate the doctor telling me because I needed to know what it was so I know how to stand, and because it has a name, and then I have authority over it. I always tell people, go to the doctor and get a name, and once you get a name, then you can deal with the name. Why do you think God told, uh, when he said, Adam in the garden, he said, I want you to name everything in this garden. Because what he was saying is, man will have authority over everything that's on this earth. Oh, come on, somebody. So Ephesians chapter 1, it says this in verse 25. He said, every name that is named, he has given us authority over it. That means you have the ability to rewrite history. Liver disease has a name. Cancer has a name. Sickness and disease, whatever it is, it has a name. And that very, it has a name, then you have authority over that name with the name of Jesus. I could stay here all night and give you testimony after testimony how we we rewrote history. And I may, later on this week, I may tell you some more about it. But I'm talking about... My brother being raised from the dead. My dad basically being on death's door ready, right, he had a massive stroke and being raised. I'll tell you what it took. It took face time. It took face time. You want your history to be re- er- erased and rewritten? Then it's going to take face time. Three and a half years didn't rain. Didn't rain for three and a half years. And you could look at it like this. There was no miracles for three and a half years. Nobody saved for three and a half years. Nobody's lives changed for three and a half years. It was a dry spell. Not only was it dry, it was dry. Did you hear what I said? It wasn't just dry, it was dry. That means the Spirit of God wasn't moving for three and a half years. You heard no prophetic word for three and a half years. Elijah stayed the for three and a half years and all of a sudden Lord says now you come out because he feared for his life he got ran out better be careful touching the man of God because it will cost you a drought it'll cause a drought in your life and, and you can love God with all your heart, but until you get it right that drought is not going to leave your life The Bible says don't have ought against nobody. That we're to love each other unconditionally. So for three and a half years, there's a drought. But things are about to change. I think it's very interesting that my vision came to pass at Christmas. And just as my vision came to pass, God says, I'm going to double that. He said, because, you understand, because of your FaceTime, and because you love me so much, and because you're doing what I called you to do. He said, I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm going to bless you again. I'm going to double that. And so, all of a sudden, my daughter shows up, and now she's got another baby, and she's already short. I'm not, well, I better not say that. I'm a, it may be twins. I may get a boy and a girl. I may double up on girls and double up on boys. I'll be double blessed both ways. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. Huh, come on, somebody. I, what I do know is history is about to be rewritten. Yeah, uh, I said, come on. I said, and not just my history. I said, your history is about to be rewritten. If you allow the, come on. If you allow yourself to get in before the presence of God and get into the face of God, then your history can be rewritten. Oh, come on, somebody. Say the drought's almost over. almost over. Let it rain, Lord. Huh. And so all of a sudden, Elijah tells his servant. He said, While I'm before the Lord, I need you to go up and climb this mountain. And I need you to go look for my results of my FaceTime. Yeah, I don't think you just heard what I said. Elijah trusted his relationship with the Lord so much that he knew that if he would get before the Lord again, that the Lord cannot turn his back on him. And so he, decide, he said, I'm going to send my servant up there to look for that which I am praying and standing for. And that servant climbed that mountain. And He's looking. Can't see nothing. And so he goes back down. And he has to go and Elijah's, you don't understand, Elijah's praying. He said, prophet, I don't see anything. He said, well, you go look again. He said, I, I'm talking to the Lord and the Lord has to hear me. The Lord has to, has to take my request and make it known. When's the last time you had that bulldog tenacity in your prayer life that you released something to the Lord and said, Lord, this is what's in my heart. This is what I need. This is what I see. And I'm going to stay here until it comes. I'm not moving from this place. That's why some of our services, y'all got to made. We've had short services compared to what we've been having. Some of our services have gone three and a half, four hours long. Because sometimes it takes that long to get to that place. But the results, how long are you willing to sit there? Or how long are you willing to praise? How long are you willing to worship to get your cancer healed? Huh? Because it's just one day of the year. It's just this moment in time. And we would stay. I don't, I don't shut services down just because, you ain't, because you're not responding. I shut services down because the Holy Spirit says I'm done. That's why a lot of times I don't look at faces of people because I looked at faces of people then I couldn't preach. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. It's up to you what you get out of this. And so he's in his birthing position like this. Praying. And the reason why he's in a birthing position, because he's trying, he's in in the process of birthing his request. So what he's doing is he has become pregnated with his desire. See, until you become pregnated with that desire. You understand. In order to become pregnant, it takes two. You understand. And so in order for you to be impregnated, you've got to get the desire. And then you've got to spend time with the Lord. And the Lord creates that miracle inside of you. And then you can have birth. Oh, glory to God. The servant goes up again. And he looks. And I can imagine, like, I sure don't want to go back and tell the prophet I don't see anything. Maybe I'm not seeing it. Maybe he's seeing it, and I don't see it. He said, but I don't see anything. And so he climbs all the way back down that mountain to Elijah. And again, he goes over to him. He's praying. He tells him, I'm sure he's getting a little nervous now to bother the prophet. He goes, prophet, prophet, I don't see anything. And Elijah says, go look again. Go look again. He does this thing, six, he does this thing four more times on the sixth time he comes back and the, and the prophet says, "Go look one more time." And he goes, for the seventh time, and he climbs that mountain for one last time. Something is about to change. Come on, I hear the Holy Ghost saying, something is about to change. In your life, uh, come on. Something, are you willing to go the distance? Come on, are you willing to go the distance in your prayer time? Are you willing to go the distance when we're praising the Lord? Are you willing to go the distance in your worship time to get what you came for? Why come just to a service and leave the same way you came? But are you willing to climb and do whatever it is that's necessary to get and to see what God has for you? Because on that seventh time, He looks and all of a sudden, I'm sure he does his eyes like this because he don't want to lie. And he's like, am I seeing serious? Seriously, is this, do I want to see it so bad? Is it a vision? No, it's real. He said, I see the, the cloud. And he goes running down the mountain. He said, and he, I'm sure he's yelling all the way down the mountain. He ain't concerned about disturbing the prophet now because he has seen the results of the prophet's prayer because the birth has given place. And he goes running down, Elijah, 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 I see, I see this cloud about the size of a man's hand. Elijah's in his position of this giving birth to what he needs from God. And he gets out of that position because that which he had prayed for, that which he had believed for has come to pass. Ahab gets in the chariot, takes off to tell the people that rain is coming. He don't even have time to get from the mountain to the city before the rain hits. Elijah, the Holy Ghost gets a hold of Elijah and Elijah starts running and the Holy Ghost takes over and he passes the horses and the chariots. See, that's what happens when you receive your miracle. It'll cause you to do something that's impossible. Are you ready for history to be changed in your life? I said, are you ready for history? If you're ready, stand to your feet and give God a shout of praise. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. glory. Father, we thank you. Yes.